One of the strangest things is the act of creation. You are faced with a blank slate, a page, a canvas, a block of stone or wood, a silent musical instrument. You then look inside yourself. You pull and tug and squeeze and fish around for slippery, raw, shapeless things that swim like fish made of cloud vapor and fill you with living clamor. You latch on to something and you bring it forth out of your head like Zeus giving birth to Athena. As it comes out, it takes shape and tangible form. It drips on the canvas and slides through your pen. It springs forth and resonates into the musical strings and slips along the edge of the sculptor's tool onto the surface of the wood or marble. You have given it cohesion. You have brought forth something ordered and beautiful out of nothing. You have glimpsed the divine. Vera Nazarian. Welcome to The Lost Traveler. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen, and I am here with my co-host, Chief Midiga of the Red Bear Band of the Great Chippewa Nation. Welcome again, Midiga, for Indigenous yeah. Peoples Month, for this amazing well, once series. A, once again, is, it, is a, it is great to meet and to talk about some really important, amazing issues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is, this is an honor of Indigenous Peoples Month, of course. For many of us, it's year round. We don't need just a month, but it's it's good to have a a, a time to reflect and to put a focus on conversations that I think are healthy for our time and healthy for all people. Um, would you like to introduce our special guest? Today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, on that topic, we're talking about indigenous peoples. You know, uh, the, the indigenous peoples are are every people that's in the earth. And so I think it's a good time to stop and say, hey, what are some of the amazing things that 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 the peoples of the earth have, have offered to humanity? And so along my journey, I did some work for a family called the Silvermans. And uh, and I met uh, an amazing, uh, an amazing rabbi uh, who is a, a true Israelite and practices what he preaches and had some amazing things to offer to my life that I felt would benefit uh, uh, anybody who hears what he has to say. So his name is uh, Rabbi Yosef Silverman. And thanks for being here, Rabbi. It's a real pleasure. And thank you, um, you know, It's uh, very nice to hear, uh, hear you and, and see you again. And thank you for your kind words. And Henry, of course, it's fantastic to be here with you. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We're practically mishpucha. <laughs> I think now, we could all be mishpacha. Yes. <laughs> Last week you spoke about it. I've never taken any of those uh, genetic things, so I can't say cousin and, and aunt and things. Well, like you that. never know. I mean, I didn't know. It was actually, <laughs> Midiga reached out to me because he found on the uh, Genie website, geni.com, um, that we are blood related. And now I found out that our last two guests over the last two weeks are also both blood relations of mine and of Midigas. So you never know, we could definitely, but we all, we do know that we're all connected, that all humanity well, around the world is related. So I call you brother and cousin. Right, and I, I think in, in the spirit of where you wanna go and, and where we should be going is to look for things that connect us rather than polarize us. 
That's right. We're going to we're going to delve deep into that. Talk a little bit about your your biography, Rabbi, if you would. And uh, how did you become a rabbi? How did you hear the calling? I'm really interested. OK, well, you know, in short, my biography, I'm one of the you know, one of a family that was my grandfather and grandmother on my father's side. And and I think even my mother's side were all born in this country. Mm. And so that means we left either Europe or, you know, or that part of the, of the globe and, and came to settle in the United States many, many years ago. So to that degree is, is maintaining our, our Jewish traditions in a, in a way left the European and came to the United States of America and, and made it go. So my family has been a Jewish philanthropic family, you know, involved in the Jewish community for, you know, from my grandfather's time. So my, my parents, you know, raised four boys and, um, and we've all just, you know, been part of the Jewish community. Um, at that point, you'd say, you know, compared to where the Jewish people were, compared to where we were in Europe, I was of the opinion that many of the things like tefillin and, and you know, and the armakas and, and other things were just, you know, part of the past rather than something that was part of the, you know, the, the practical present. Mm. Um, I started out in a reform, you know, reform uh, synagogue at a very young age for one year. And uh, I didn't, I remember I played hooky when I would go after school. So that, that's pretty much how my year went. I, <laughs> I started out not being the most, uh, and, 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 I, and I did my time. And, and then from that point, I was put in back to the conservative um, synagogue where my father was, you know, grew up in this area. Where is and this area? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. so, and so growing up in, in that space, so... Um, um, my upbringing was, you know, I would go to regular school, high school with the you know, regular local public school. And, um, and after school, I would go and attend little, little Jewish classes. And to me, it, just, it was just, you know, something to do that was Jewish. I enjoyed my Jewish connection. Mm -hmm. And still, when I got old enough, it was, I would, you know, just hang out with my friends that were there. It was more of the social connectivity than anything else. And uh, even at, I think the age of it, um, 16, 17, I went to Israel for the first time. I was part of the Maccabee you know, athletic group. I wasn't one of the athletes, but we went as a, as a youth and, and, and I still had <clears throat> one of the most incredible experiences of being able to be in a parade as a Jew walking through Jerusalem. And, and I was, uh, got the lottery to, to hold the American flag. So I was up in front and, you know, wow. experience like that. And it ended up at the, uh, the Western Wall. So I had that real, very strong Jewish experience and that kept me going. And I just knew I was Jewish and, and then I was proud of my Jewishness. And, you know, of course, if there was a bar mitzvah of somebody we knew we would go to synagogue that week. Otherwise we were pretty much waiting for, mm -hmm. for Rosh Hashanah to come around in Yom Kippur. And of course we would fast and, and that's what we would do it, but it, but uh, but every every Sabbath was also marked in my family um, by my mother lighting you know the Sabbath candles, and we would always have a at home dinner either at my house or go to my grandparents' house, uh, and and that was pretty much the extent of my awareness of Judaism. I was not in an area where I saw a lot of Orthodox people or 
or, or black hat, long hooded people with beards that I, you know, would eventually morph into. But, you know, at that point in my life, I had not seen or heard much of anybody other than a great grandmother and, and my uh, grandmother's half brother. So uh, she was the youngest of three, three ladies and her mother, um, her mother passed away. And then her father took another mother who then had three boys. So one of the half brothers, you know, was Orthodox. And I remember him learning later on with the, with the Chabad rabbi that was sent to Pittsburgh you know, over 75 years ago by the previous Lubavitcher who started a community. But I coming from Pittsburgh was not aware of that part of the community whatsoever. And, and so I guess the big pivotal point was I went to school in University of South Florida. Mm. And I went uh, there was part because it was warm and seemed like it would be a pretty good place to be in Florida. And uh, my parents also would go to uh, Florida for vacations. And so I thought it was close and far and, you know, they could be down there and we'd see them. And so that's where I started. So I'd have to say the very beginning, you know, where things changed, how my journey became was, is on the campus. I ran into one of the Chabad houses, and there was an emissary sent by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, who was, was on campus. And, uh, and I just remember it was all the falafel you could eat for a dollar. <laughs> that would do <laughs> it for me. <laughs> yeah, listen, now there, we, have, we have listeners in 30 countries around the world, and I'm sure that some people are not going to be familiar with terms like Chabad or Lubavitch. Can you just explain in simplest terms what, what that means? Sure. And I thank you for asking because, you know, that is the challenge to make sure we're universally understood. So within Judaism, you know, back, you know, saying there's, but I use the term Chabad to explain that. And there's, there's two terms which are synonymous, Chabad, Lubavitch. And they're both, they're both named, literally Chabad is a philosophical approach, which is an acronym for three letters in Hebrew, the ches, you know, and, you know, for chachma, and the base, which is a Hebrew letter for rabina, one's wisdom, chachma is wisdom, and bina is understanding, and the third is known as das, which is when you integrate what you've learned and fully understood, so that doesn't just remain a peripheral concept to you, but it's sort of your program, you, you're able to operate. It's what you know, it's who you are. So it's so it's being able to take the the awareness of our Creator, you know, the end from those you know, give us relationship that we can have a relationship, like you said, communicatively with in our brain and in our mind. And of course, Chabad's approach is not just to stay in the brain. But ultimately, that it should should be integrated as much as we can intellectually. Intellectually, but then there should be an appropriate emotional response in the heart. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a non-profit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. 
we recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. So it starts from, you know, our natural, we are human being, have a brain that, that has dominion over the heart by the way we're born, but that's the potential. Doesn't mean that that happens automatically. And we have a reptilian brain and other things that has its own life that the, we have to make sure that we use a higher part of our consciousness, which would be the, the highest level, which would be wisdom. And, and wisdom is that real points is where do we go to our highest level of wisdom? Wisdom is, is that uh, part of us that's able to get out of the way and allow something beyond it to take full stage and front center and focus so that it's almost like the opening of an aperture in a camera that allows the, the image to come in without judgment whatsoever. It allows the entirety of it to come in. So the aperture is the opening that really is all about what's coming through it. But in a way, that's the highest level, the ability to look. And of course, that level is called Chochmah. And what it needs afterwards is something to take that, that image, be the film or the, or, the, or the retina or whatever, to take that image and then build upon it. So that's you know, the, the first two letters of our alphabet, if you want to simplify it. The A stands for the, you know, Aleph, which is the first letter, which is number one. And that would be, in, in many ways, that's the Chochmah. It also represents the, the number one, the creator, because that's really what Chochmah highest level is aware of is just the creator and nothing else. There is nothing else. That's our highest level to get out of our self and see which is higher. And then the base is the house, the bite. Base means letters, you know, all of beta is the second letter or B, not too dissimilar to English. And it's the second letter and that represents understanding. So understanding is now oh, something to understand what was just given. And a pictorial way or a vivid way to understand that is that the chachma represents the masculine aspect of the, of the, say, the sperm. And, you know, and Vina is the, the mother, which is the womb, which then, you know, develops the, you know, the seed from the father over the time of the duration of pregnancy to be able to give birth. So intellectually, something like that happens as well when there's a flash of insight and then Bina breaks it down, understands it. And then once, once you have that, then, then besides there's nothing new added, it's just the clarity and connectivity that becomes Das, that becomes our knowledge. And, and that word is used in the Bible where it says, and Adam knew his wife Chava. This Adam Yada as Chava, used the word knew Chava. So in a sense, this is a knowledge which indicates a merger of becoming one. Mm. So that's just a little bit of Chabad. So that approach is the name of this approach within Judaism, which reveals the mystical part. Every part of Kabbalah became very faddish at a while, and you know, Madonna was supposedly right. studying it in <laughs> Kabbalah Institute, and everybody took the secrets. But the, you know, in reality, the Kabbalah 
is revealed specifically through the Chabad Hasidic movement more than any other movement within Judaism. It became really through the Rebbe who fought off the, um, the, the communist movement last in, in the Soviet Union under Russia, under yeah. you know, the revolution that took place when Judaism along other religions were completely outlawed and really made it the, as harsh as you can to try to wipe out Judaism. They did everything they could. Yeah. And this, uh, these great rabbis who, who started from the, you know, the first of the Chabad rabbis going back to the 1700s. And, yeah. you know, um, by the time the Russian revolution happened, you were dealing with the, and not in succession, you know, the uh, fifth and sixth you know, rabbis and uh, coming from that, that background, uh, that's where the, the movement started. And it started pretty much as an underground movement and making sure people could still carry out their, their brisim when they had a child, the, the circumcision, the covenant of Abraham and things which are essential to who we are and keep educating our children because we never, you know, if you don't have education, you know, you don't raise moral people. So the education was, children learn underground and they would you know, do it at night and, and this to be able to stay away from the communistic schools and, and a tremendous you know, self-sacrifice. Many people were arrested and, and but you know, those are the people that eventually you know, met and their children you know, came to this country. And in the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, he was miraculously rescued uh, you know, out of the, being arrested and of course the um, you know, first he was going to be uh, executed, and then he was exiled, and then he was miraculously freed, and eventually came to the United States. And then his son-in-law, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, um, came to this country as well, and um, be succeeded as the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe. But what he began doing at the very beginning was to send rabbis to every single part of the world. So Morocco, and you know, so from that time, the Lubavitch movement has been a movement that's been actively sending people to go into every country, every city, you name it, thousands of places. Any place you go, there'll be some rabbi who's there, and you know, not just you know telling people to do on a visit every now and then, but to live amongst the people and communicate and teach and do kindness and everything, and and, and really. You know, bring the awareness of God to that place. Well, you know, it's really interesting that that tradition, <clears throat> I, I only peripherally was was part of that. My father, who was an American diplomat, and we were based in in Moscow in the seventies mm -hmm. during the Cold War, where it was still very much underground. And my father smuggled religious paraphernalia to. Uh, these underground synagogues, not only in Russia, but in Cuba as well when we were mm -hmm. there. And when he went back to Brazil, we were stationed in Brazil for a number of years. And then he went back and he actually started a movement or was part of a movement um, to find lost Jews that immigrated to Brazil in the 17, 1800s uh, who had lost their, their way in a way. Uh, yes. In their Judaism, and so I'm very proud of that. I'm I'm really happy to hear you share some of that history and story because 
I think it's it's still mostly unknown in the broader world that this uh, that this is still going on. You know, it's 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 like I said. You look at the, the number of Jews in, in the whole world, and it's you know population was like uh, not even one percent of the the population of the world. Yet you know, the, the amount of attention we get is considerably more than one percent of the news. <laughs> you know, it's just a disproportionate amount of focus. So, on one hand, it's very possible that, that the world as a whole may not know this, but as you bring that up, the Lubavitcher Rebbe made it the point that says that we, we as Jews, with the freedom of religion and expression that we've been afforded in this time and in these countries, that it gives us the opportunity to fulfill one of the precepts that we as Jews were given going back to the time we, we received the, the teachings of God, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, the whole Torah, as we exited the, uh, in the country at the time of, of Egypt and, and that we began our people in mass with the godly revelation of not just, you know, here's a teaching that somebody came off of a mountain and out of a cave and said, here, really, really cool. If I can get five, you know, people to, to share these ideas, we can spread that, you know, but at the end, if everybody, was, but how do you know it's true? How do you know it's true? Even though there could be millions and millions of people following this. Oh, if you get back to the original, it was our leader who we trust emphatically. We know he's true. We know he's godly. He would never lie to us. I mean, for sure he's real, but still would come out and he would say, it was just one person told us this. We don't really have any second person, which, you know, in court, it says you at least need two witnesses to. Right. Right. So at that point you say, okay, fine. I believe emphatically we still don't have what would be constituted as, as witnessed in a revelation in this world. And, you know, eventually the Jewish people got to that, but, you know, the, the witness revelation happened at one time event when God himself, you know, took us out of Egypt, prepared us for that, saying, okay, you just don't end up completely enslaved, and then, and then one day end up free, just like that. Mm -hmm. And if people did have that happen to them, it's such an incredible story, either it would be denied immediately upon communication or something like that never happened or it would you know never would never lose traction you'd still have people talking about it to this day as we do every day in the Passover stories I remember you know when I grew up we had Passover with my you know great-grandparents over there who spoke about Passover with their great-grandparents or great-parents realized I my own ears witnessed to this same story has gone you know from people who were first-hand or second-hand witnesses going back at least 100 years that's um, right that's right. You know, so we at least have, and, and it's massively told and repeated, you know, whereas, you know, people certainly decide whether, you know, you're going to have, uh, uh, you know, food on the, on your, your meal might be from taking one country's customs and other countries' customs. But at the end of the day, we're all sitting and doing the very teaching essential point. Yeah, we were taken out of Egypt. We were taken and given laws but going back to what i said at that point all the laws that would god would have to communicate for all the people on his whole planet were then given it wasn't that god came and revealed himself to just a small group of people he gave his he revealed to the jewish people but he said you know the you know the the main thing is we have to convey the, this message to the entire world hi i'm ivan johansson and this 
is My Little House. My Little House is an interactive, multi-sensory, educational felt toy that I invented to help develop children's language skills. I love My Little House. I've been working as a speech therapist for over 20 years. So then I just thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just take this one-dimensional board and make it into an actual three-dimensional toy? How cool would that be? That's the idea behind My Little House. You can spread it out flat like a four-panel felt board, or here's the cool part. In the blink of an eye, My Little House easily converts into a three-dimensional reversible house. My Little House comes with 36 felt cutout pieces that match outlines in eight colorful rooms and they're felt, so they stick. Each piece inside My Little House has been placed with purpose. But My Little House isn't just for kids on the spectrum or with significant disorders, it's also for typically developing two to five-year-olds. It's a fun toy. I always say to my kids, when you get stuck, you have to ask for help. Can you tell me what you see on top of the refrigerator? I know that my little house is going to make a difference in thousands of children's lives. I just need your help in getting it out there. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about my little house, my little farm, my little zoo, and other smart felt toys, visit www.smartfelttoys.com. And what is the message? It wasn't anything that was given then. It was the repeat of the message that God gave to Noah, which you can read about it in Genesis, you know, after the flood. And, you know, and there's the seven laws that were practiced all the way up until the point, you know, to the Jewish people left, you know, Egypt. And God gave, you know, the 613 commandments, you know, 248 positive commandments and 365 negative, meaning positive things to do. Mm -hmm. them apply in the time when there's a holy temple and you have to be of the priestly clan to do them. So if you really think about how these commandments are counted in the Jewish people, they're counted minute detail. And, but the laws they were before were, were, were taught in general terms. And, and if, for example, you know, the prohibition against murder, you know, not just one type of murder, it's, it's manslaughter and, and different things as well. And the prohibition against, you know, you know, you know stealing and robbery could be, you know, going to the point of withholding wages or, you know, and so there's, it's, it's just minimum laws that God really gave the world after Noah that said, here's what's going to happen. I won't destroy the world again, but you really have to have, you know, some, some moral basis that comes from the creator and, and and that really is if you think about it nobody in this world is trusting of anybody so if we can really wake up that there is a creator and people should be aware of that and the creator is trustworthy and has given us infinite divine laws for mankind then then the the expression is we are in a moral crisis extreme moral crisis in other words the symptoms that are seen in this in the society and everything like that are symptoms and they're certainly bad symptoms but we yeah. have to get back to it's a moral denigration at, at its core 
I, I agree with that. And it sounds vaguely familiar, Midega. <laughs> you know, I, we had this, you know, talk a little bit about, about your there are some par- There are some parallels in, yeah. in, you know, there's about 3 million Anishinaabek, you know, the spontaneous people or the good people. Uh, but, but we had a strange belief that everybody in the world were also Anishinaabek, but, but, you know, they like to call themselves French or British or whatever. And, but what's interesting about the, the, the Israelites is no matter where they, they're at, regardless if they take the nationality somewhere, they are still who they are. And there's some parallels that are absolutely stunning, such as earlier when you were talking about wisdom, you know, that's one of our, we have seven grandfather teachings. These are teachings from our grandfathers from a long time ago. There's a story about that. You know, we, we, our laws originate also after a flood. And there was this flood event, which I think is a shared experience around the world. Everybody seems to talk about this thing happening, but it's a part of our everyday culture. And, and following this flood event, we were, uh, we weren't living so well. And, and we were maybe perhaps the group that wandered off and, and weren't doing what we were supposed to do. And, uh, and a messenger was sent who taught us the proper way to live in the earth. And, and wisdom was actually the, the maximus of, of all of the, the other teachings incorporated together into your life. We, we also had a, a, a migration story, which is really remarkable, where a couple thousand years ago, uh, we, had, we had, there's this number seven, this magic number seven, but we had seven uh, prophets show up at the same time, and they told us about seven different periods in the future. And how they would negatively impact us and we'd have periods of bondage and we'd have periods of of triumph but that we had to start migrating and we followed uh, it and it's i you know i wanted to thank you for the book that you gave me because it's so interesting the parallels you know we followed uh what looked like what we called a cowrie shell it's a little white shell but it was in the sky and and we and this is a part of our real story that we followed the, this thing westward across an empty uh, continent that's called North America and found large lakes of water that you would call the Great Lakes today. And, and this thing would, we would follow it during the, the day and night uh, over a long period of time. And, and, and then we also had, you know, a, a period of bondage and extreme cultural and attempted ethnic genocide right. that you know, really, really did not, uh, we did not really come out of until uh, the 1970s, which is really hard for some people to even hear. They don't know that it, we were the last ones to get a Civil Rights Act, 1968. And yet we were the first ones, at least in, it, to, to, to end up in this place we call North America. But the parallels are so stunning. And, and so that's something that when we talked in the past that always stood out to me and I sat in awe is that it felt like we're talking about the same story on different parts of the earth. And, uh, and so, yeah, the seven Noahide teachings, the seven grandfather teachings, the how to live in the world after the flood and ours is how to, how to live goodly in the world after the flood. Can so we go down those lists of the seven teachings from each approach? Because I think yeah. that would be a really interesting comparison. So the way the way we took it, the way we took it is that there was a way that you personally were supposed to interact with the world, which would prevent you from creating these actions. Now the actions 
are perfectly outlined in the, the seven uh, Noahide laws. And I'll let Yosef share those if you'd like, but okay. these are the, the outcomes that if you're doing the right things, these are the outcomes that you will not do. And they're given specifically as, as something that is a prohibition. You're not supposed to do it. So I'll just actually just you know, read from the, you know, the way they're, they're written in this uh, article. It says the seven Noahide laws are, number one, the prohibition of idolatry. It would be false gods. Two is prohibition of blasphemy which would be, you know, using your voice, your speech to curse God to, to say something inappropriate. Then number three is the prohibition of homicide, of murder. Number four is the prohibition of incest. And number five, prohibition of robbery. Number six, the prohibition of eating the limb of a living animal. And number seven, institution of courts of justice. Those are the seven as they are in their most truncated form, which has to be expounded to, to be understood. But to, to understand, again, you'll look at them in many ways, idolatry. That starts with everybody in this planet has to know that there's only one God. There was a creator before there was an existence before anything existed. And, and that God created everything. Everything is one creation from God. And to look or to see or to say or declare that anything that's not the original single existence which created everything, but that one of the creations themselves is a God, is something separate, is something ultimately on its own, a deity is the denier and the, and the and God. I mean, I could pause for questions on each one because it could go long. Now, yeah. we have the same thing. You know, we have we have seven ways of living. We call these the seven grandfather teachings, but therefore an outcome. And we have this, I could say the same thing. You know, this is in, in not in any particular order. I put them in the order because I was so stunned that they matched up with the Noahide laws. Mm -hmm. but there's only one creator okay uh, honor the creator of all life uh whom and and especially human life who the creator made in his image honor all animal life uh honor nature which pr provides life to all things honor honor nature equally as you honor the property of another uh, honor yourself as your own eye and honor fairness in all things. And the, the parallels are so stunning. And how we do that is we have, uh, a, and, and then and the, you have 613 things. And I, I hope we can tie this in, but uh, you know, we, how we do that is we have these seven teachings that we're supposed to take upon ourselves in our journey all holistically that we use in all of areas of our life that help us to not do these things. And, you know, they are love, respect, bravery, truth, honesty, humility, and wisdom. And wisdom being the summation of, of these teachings with the experiences in your life, using intelligence and knowledge. So th this is very, it's very stunning that there's these teachings in, on two sides of the world that are so similar. Shh. 
Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups, virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. You know, and yet when we look at the uh, the history as we, we read about it, is that there for many, many years, the, the, the Noahide laws were uh, practiced. I mean, you, you can read that inside the, um, you know, the, the Torah stories that you're reading where Sarah was taken by Abimelech, was taken by the king, and, you know, and, and he's aghast that he almost, you know, would have taken her for a wife, which he's already married. But he says, that's something that, that we, won't, we won't violate. That even, you have proof in the, you know, discussions of that saying, no, when somebody is married, the relationship between uh, human beings and the relationship that that is, you know, putting us in a, in a doing something godly and doing divine. So to not respect another person's spouse or to not even respect another person uh, in a way that one can least engage in and with another human being as meant to be in a divine way, mm-hmm. which back to the, uh, you know, the seeming weird creation. If you look at the, the biblical story in detail, it says God created human being, Adam, starting out masculine, feminine as one being. Hmm. He said, it's not good that Adam should be alone. Man should be alone. So what he did is he made woman come from out of him. And then there was two. And then the first thing God says, now become one. I mean, it seems like uh, that's uh, manufacturing. If you say, listen, take the uh, wood, cut it in half, and then glue it back together. You say, wait a minute. You know, I can skip a whole step. <laughs> Yet the creator in, with the, the, the beings that are made in his image with their really divinity down here in this world to make the world a divine place, that's why we're empowered to be able to, to uh, show these things, that there can be two opposites that can come together and then is better than saying, okay, well, you were always, you always were one anyway. Right. That, that's not what this world was about. This world was made to be a place in the sense where what happens if you take God out of the picture from a point where there is nothing else but God, hide that, start from scratch, and then kind of make it that there is no God, and then put a human being who's a microcosm of the whole world, who is set reset being or is that there's almost no god in his world and then being able to figure out that there is god in the world through intellectualization initially as abraham did where he was able to to recognize through his intelligence that you know that there's not a sun god and there's a moon god and a wind god and a lightning god and a and a, and a water god and a fire god. No, he's like, wait a minute, that's ridiculous. He came to an intellectual and had everybody speaking about the awareness of one god before there was any real revealed revelation. It wasn't yes. an intellectual grasp and just no. smart. 
and you know you again go back using your god-given wisdom to and mm-hmm. i mean i don't see that you're, you're right now that you have a soul i don't see your soul i can't define it in any way that i've been able to say well how much does it weigh where is it what's its shape i i can't see that but my brain is so convinced from seeing your eyes blink and your and you emote and, and your breathing and your living and and in your temperature that I've never seen it, but my brain sees it. And it's it's yeah. just as clear in my brain that you're alive as, as it is if I saw it with my eyes. And now, that's what Abraham was able to do. Look, the mm-hmm. world alive. There's there's only one creator, one soul in it. The that's same right. way a soul fills your body. The same way the creator's life energy fills this world. But don't think that that, that energy that's in the world is really being changed by the shape that it takes. Mm-hmm. Now, now and this, this is all incredible. You know, in, in the 1640s, in the 1640s, you know, everybody knows how it, right at the turn of the 1600s, the first settlements started popping up on the East Coast in, in a place that's now called Virginia. But it wasn't until the 1640s, 1641, 42 through 45, that the Catholic priests first arrived in what's now called Sault Ste. Marie. If you looked at the Great Lakes, there's, there'd be three really big ones. And the point that they meet was kind of our headquarters. And that's the first time that they came there. And when they came there, you know, we were a society that was driven by, that was, that was, um, that was driven by grandmothers and grandfathers, elders that carried traditions and way of living and, and teaching and that, that are very synonymous with the way you're talking. And we listened to them intently in what they were teaching. And we said, hold on. And we took them to uh, records of thousands of scrolls that we had. We used birch bark paper as far back as thousands of years. We, you know, I personally have seen one from seven that's been dated to 796 AD. And this is paper, it's a scroll. And, and when they tried to share these and say, hey, listen, what you're saying is the same thing that we have. Mm-hmm. Then what they did is they said, we got to burn it. <laughs> right. And so we had to hide these things up. And, and, but what's interesting about that is even, even their foundations of the major religions in the world are all founded upon this guy that you just mentioned named mm-hmm. Abraham. Mm-hmm. And, and they all go back to that. And we have a synonymous character as well. Very, very similar and but I think the 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 point is that, you know, when people stop and they consider the messages that are being spread globally, we have probably far more in common than we have different. And it's generally the when you're trying to use the things from the veins of mountains, right, mm-hmm. the wealth you can gather versus the, the veins coming from the heart of a child or a mother or a family member that you, you lose objectivity. And so. Yes, Henry. There's, it's always been amazing to me, having grown up all around the world, my foundation was global, which is a very rare and wondrous gift that really informed who I became and my outlook, certainly spiritually in the world, um, that every, every major religion that we consider across the globe kind of says the same things respect each other, don't be a jerk, don't kill each other, right? And, and that we are as human beings, a reflection of the divine. 
right? Or created in God's mm -hmm. image, as you say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that mean? For me, it means that we are imbued with all of the same divine qualities of creation, of destruction, of change, right? And of, of mastering destiny. I think that we all are participants in that. And when we come back to the reflection that it all started with one, right? One creation, one gender, one energy. That it seems to me that, that, that we're starting now to see little glimmers of that coming back. I would love for you both to talk just in the well, minutes that we have left. I want to talk about the difference between religion and spirituality as it pertains okay. to, to what we're talking about, because well, a lot of people are lost right now and are looking for answers where- You're absolutely right. You know, people are going, what does it all mean? Yeah. Like we live in an age now where everything, you know, everything is on a, like the phone that we we're, we have in our hands every day has all more information than, than the library of Alexandria had, right. you know, that people would travel thousands of miles. We have it just right at the fingertips. You know, we have fast food, we have, electricity we have, we have things that are just phenomenal and but i think that in that people are lost and they said well i still don't feel fulfilled there must be some core truth that is far simpler that that if i just followed that then everything would kind of start to make sense and i would feel a relationship with my environment around me with the people around me with nature you know i i see a lot more people going into nature and trying to feel something in a home perhaps and so, you know, for me personally, one of the things that helped me really take a, a step forward is to understand there's a difference between religion mm -hmm. and spirituality, because spirituality is me, it's in me, it's in everything, and it's harmony with everything around you. And I think perhaps the people get lost in the construct of, of, of a building or four walls with, with a roof and a floor. And, and they forget that regardless if they're in the building or they're outside of the building, they're always with the creator. They're always with creation. They're always where they're supposed to be. So as the rabbi always told me many, many times, fear not, have no fear because everything is working for your good when you're working for good. Stories are at the very heart of what makes us human. We each have one, and we can learn and grow from listening to each other. The Listen podcast is an exploration of the stories of Americans abroad and how they got there. If you're curious about the world and hungry for community, check out their website at www.thelistenpodcast.com or their Facebook group at the Listen Podcast Community. Now, I'm going to let the rabbi go now, but at the, at the end, what I really wanted to share is something that I, I got from, from asknoah.org, and it's their seven simple explanations of these seven laws. And then I'd like to read our, our seven simple explanations of, of the character you're supposed to have, which helps you follow these laws. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're going to make this practical and we have eight minutes or something of that nature, it's, it's not... Ten. <laughs> can give it 10 minutes you know yeah. I, I so i just so we go over you know, all the time we go I over know, all the time yeah okay. there's no timeline 
Well, you know, the only, the one thing I, I wanted to bring out what you said is that, you know, we'll share a very important lesson that uh, I, I think is uh, something that everybody can immediately do to make their life better. And, and it's, it's, it was part of Moses' speech to the Jewish people that pretty much lasted for, you know, 3,333 years and still going. So it's a pretty good speech. And, and really it wasn't, it was any, it was empowering us to go out and do our job is to be a representative of God and to bring godliness into the world. And, and that's it, you know, that you're there to be a, not to be blessed, but to be a blessing amongst the nations, that you are a goy kodosh, you're a holy nation, which means you're connected to that which is holy. Mm -hmm. Holy so far beyond, kodosh means holy, but it means removed and separate. That's what something holy, it's not mundane, it's not within your grasp, it's exalted. At the same time, we're integrated into the physical world, and, you know, and that God designs this world with interactions with other people and, and our job and our life and everything that are there to test each and every one of us. In, that test comes down to each and every one of us has our own unique point in this life. And we're different than everybody. We're unique. And yet we're at the same time part of everybody. And I want to say that when God spoke to the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments, he spoke in singular language, which is not grammatically correct. If you're addressing a crowd, you have to use in Hebrew the pluralistic version of, of yours. You know, I just, you know, in Hebrew, Anochi Hashem Elokechem would be plural. I am the Lord, your God, Hechem. He says, Elokecha, I am your singular God, which means at some point there's, I can't just be lost in the crowd and think I don't matter, that somebody else will do it. But if I'm here, I can be part of this blessing and to find other people to do, see where they're hurting and then try to make them not feel pain, try to relieve their pain, see where they're lacking and try to be godly and, and you know, realize that that's what God gave us to do, to right. see this incomplete world, the world that was made that way. We again go to our Bible, it says the very first thing on the Sabbath, it says God made the world to be fixed up. He says it's never, it was a model, it was a model that you bought, the picture was, is the full, the full uh, whatever, you know, spaceship on the front that you were making, but when you opened it up, it was just billions of pieces and glue, and, and we have to keep in mind when we see something broken that, that it starts internally within ourselves or externally in the world, we see something, we're there, it's only reason we're seeing it is because there's something we can do to be a channel for that divine energy in the physical world, down here, where it's not in the spiritual. So you ask the difference between religion and Judaism, or religion is, is what you do so you can go to heaven, go to the next world and, you know, and somehow forget about the world and end up in some spiritual different place. This Judaism is not about heaven. We don't talk about heaven. It's down here in this physical world. There's poor people, there's orphans, there's widows, there's impoverished people, there's charities, there's things to do just to fix up your world. There's so many things that, that we are able to be engaged. So the, the point is once a person decides they're gonna be part of the solution, they channel and they will see godliness in their life. I mean, this is scientific, even if somebody decides to take care of a plant or a pet, they're right. mostly gonna live longer. Well, you look know? at the symbol, look, look at the symbolism in the, the, the story of 
Moses going up into the mountain and and meeting God through the burning bush, right? For me, as a Jew, it also, it represents nature itself. And what are the words spoken from this bush by God are remove your shoes for the ground on which you stand is holy. Well, all ground on which we stand is holy. And when we step out into nature, there are many people now taking off their shoes and going and, you know, planting their feet in the grass and feeling the energy of nature just permeate every cell of their body. They feel renewed and energized, right? This is, for me, that's what the, the universality of this message is. I hear it from my Muslim brothers and sisters. I hear it from my Christian brothers and sisters. I hear it from my Buddhist brothers and sisters in one degree or another. You know, I want to jump in. There's a viral video of a rabbi from South America who came to New York to be with the convention of rabbis. And, and he was sitting on a subway and he noticed a person there without shoes on. Mm. And this rabbi had just purchased a new pair of shoes. And then he looks over and he, and he still had a, he, and he, he, he gave his other shoes to this man on the train. And, and so I, I think there's a certain way that we can take off our shoes to touch that, which is the nature around us. And there's always been, you know, a certain, oh, let me get godly, let me get spiritual, let me try to find my, you know, my thing and escape it all. But, but that, that's sort of mimicking the, the religious aspect. Okay, so I can't get to heaven till it's time and I'm not ready to get it now, but let me find a little piece of heaven to be engaged as opposed, no, while we're down here on earth, it's, it's every scenario that, that we're being fed with. And, and, and right now, one of the most important things that a person should know uh, is that that there's there's a very there's two choices that we we can spend our next second or next hour or next day is in something positive or negative, and we're being inundated with techno savvy ways of getting into reptilian brains at the most highly contagious way ever, and with uh, thinking computers that can present false narratives and everything, um, you know while we are having this technological expanse, the powers that individuals are having are on such a expanding way that unless people understand that there's a God who's looking at them, there's an eye that sees them, an ear that hears and steps and their behavior and their conduct and everything is, is key. And as somebody at this point knows that we are getting to the point that the messianic redemption, that's something that the Rabbi Lubavitcher Rabbi said is happening. And the is, is that all around the globe right now, that every single country, every single place, it's not like it's just a small you know, group of people living in Europe or in Israel, but this is global. And this, this uh, Noahide movement has to be the most you know, you know, pressing issue right now, because if everybody in this world is going to pretty soon have the technology to do genetic uh, screwing up of everything, Mm -hmm. uh, each person is so aware that there's a God that will prevent them from, from doing any one of these negative things, that there's repercussions, there's, there's, there's punishments, there's a life that, that's there, you know, nobody's motivated by punishment, but, you know, them consequences. when you're driving your car at 80 miles an hour, there's a punishment on every, on every, as soon as you leave the lane to go to the oncoming traffic or go off the highway, there's a punishment. So this. I don't want to make it's punishment, but there's repercussions and results of how we live our life and how every moment leads to the next and how every encounter we have is an energy and 
in uh, parts of the godliness. And if we see ourselves as emissaries and, and that is what mitzvah means, mm. commandment means you become one, you become bonded up with the giver of these commandments. So the bottom line is a human being to be able to connect to the creator of the entire universe and to see that it matters to God Almighty what we do in our individual life between other people and whether we keep these seven laws, whether we're able to respect God, whether to respect humanity, respect the animals, to respect life, to respect everything, and, you know, and in in our language, in our power, to not curse and to realize we're godly individuals with godly powers. And we have to realize that, that there's one God and that holds us all together. And when we look at one God, I realize my body has so many different parts on it. Microscopically, my heart is all into hot blood. My lungs are into to, to, to air. My brain's into cool. My stomach's into acid. If I looked at them separately, it would appear to be this most diverse thing. How could you ever have all these different things get together? Mm-hmm. When you realize there's, it's not their physicality that it's about. It's, it's able to be a perfectly put together physical body, which then houses a soul, which is enabled to be integrated in this physical place because the physical place is pure and, and able to allow the spiritual to be here. Harmonious. We live in our lives physically, and we get we don't hurt harm people. We don't steal. We don't, you know, you know, rob all these things that we're not supposed to do that are harmful things. Then we start able to live in a in the most powerful, empowering, godly world. The biggest breakthrough in wellness in the past fifty years. Vox Life's wearable technology has no batteries, no wires, and no metals. When neuroreceptors on your feet or arms come into contact with the Vox HPT pattern, a neuroresponse is triggered, sending information to your central nervous system, helping regulate pain, maintain motor control, and balance. The effect is immediate, so you focus less on weathering through physical pain and discomfort and more on living a happier, healthier life. As a special promotion, our sponsor is donating 25% of your purchases through the following link to benefit the Lost Travelers Club and our new Brain Candy Project wing. Simply visit https colon double slash lost travelers club hyphen braincandyproject.voxlife.com that's v-o-x-life.com it's a win-win well we've been saying these words for thousands of years right why haven't we gotten it yet Mide, i want you to address that through well i mean it it kind of goes back to something that the rabbi and i had a discussion on before and that's that how incredible how incredible is the creation of the earth that the creator made, right? And he just alluded to how incredible is the human body. When looked at in parts, it seems like what's going on here? Well, you know, the same soil, the same, the same group plot of soil will grow an apple tree, will grow a, a watermelon, will grow, you know, an evergreen, will grow a massive redwood you know, how incredible is that? Well, the same, the same land will produce the components that enable us to have technology, 
It all, it all originates here. And these things are incredible, but it's the, the misuse of what I would say, uh, these character traits, the respect you're supposed to have to your environment. That was the, we have a great gift. And that gift is this free will, this free choice to go left or right, to say, well, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to, correct? And it's a choice that we can make. And there's no, there's no wall or barrier that we walk into that we can't. And so people can kill each other, but they shouldn't kill each other. And, and so, you know, things today sound a heck of a lot like things back uh, back before uh, the flood occurred. And the teachings that were given after the flood, which I'm speaking as the Anishinaabeg flood story, and I'm speaking that synonymously, it's the same as the, as the, the flood story that is in the Israelite texts. And, you know, you know we say, we, and if, please uh, allow me to read this if this is okay. Yeah, go ahead. That these teachings were given to impact our surroundings and provide guidance towards our actions to one another. Long ago after the flood, the creator sent a messenger to tell the people how to live. Some people had hate for others. Some had disrespectful actions. Some were afraid. Some were full of pride and others shame. So this messenger taught the people the lessons of love, respect, bravery, truth, honesty, humility, and wisdom, and said before he left, each of these teachings must be used with the rest. You cannot have wisdom without love. You cannot have love without respect, bravery, honesty, humility, and truth. You cannot be honest if you're only using one of the other teachings. To leave out one teaching would be embracing the opposite of what each teaching means. And each of us are to live as a child and to apply these teachings in our life and to place our trust in the creator. And we must always be sincere in our actions, character, and words because the creator is here with us, in us, through us, over us, below us. And at no point are we separate from our creator or his creation. Very nice. You know, it's a good, it's a, you know, if everybody listening to uh, this podcast would, uh, you know, think about what can be done and, and what's something practical. I mean, I, you know, Mitiga has a, the, the, the Jewish Bible, the Humish, you know, that you have yes. to read that and understand that. Um, it's, we have to feed our, our, our good aspects. We have to constantly make sure we're ingesting good concepts. We're learning proper, you know, teaching is positivity. Um, if just like a person, if you eat healthy food, you're going to feel healthy. If you eat, eat, you know, junk food all day, you're going to pay the consequences. And, and like junk. <laughs> we're, we're eating so much junk all the time and, you know, and things that cause us to be negative. And, you know, so on one hand, you know, it's, it's very important to, to understand our ability to be positive and change literally not just, you know, our moods, but to literally change, change the outcomes that we're going to have in our life just by, by being positive. And the best way to, to, to impart that is by example, right? Not to sit in judgment of other people. My grandmother had a, a wonderful saying. She said, mm -hmm. honey, when you're pointing a finger at somebody else, mm -hmm. you've got three pointed back at yourself. Correct. Right? 
Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Focus on what you can change in yourself and be an example to people around you. Because if you're there, if you're in that moment, reflecting on what you can do not to change other people or to convert other people to your way of thinking, saying they're wrong and I'm right. It's to really elevate that, that spirit within yourself that can then be a reflection that other people automatically effortlessly have permission. Light in the world. Light in the world. You know, I, you both are speaking, literally speaking exact words from within the teachings that we're talking about and if it's okay because i do have a song i do have a song to honor to honor you yosef that i made for you to honor your steadfastness to your creator and i have told you many times you're one of the you're one of the people who are you are a bright light to anybody who meets you because you're reflecting the creator in your environment at all times and or at least you're trying very hard to be diligent in doing so so if, if it would be okay, I'd like to, uh, to go through our seven teachings real quick, which you have literally just rattled off. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like, to, I'd like to share a song with you. So there, these are seven grandfather teachings that are given for our benefits. And they allow us to be ready and prepared to follow the seven laws of, of behavior with each other. But it starts with you first. And so love, knowing love is to know peace. Our love must be unconditional. When people are weak or flawed, we must love them the most. For one to love and accept themselves and others is to be at peace with the creator and in harmony with all creation. Respect. Honor creation is to show respect. There is no part of creation that should be excluded from the honor we are to give. Give value to all people and all things and be courteous, considerate, and appreciative. Honor your families and others as equal to yourselves. Do not bring harm to anyone or anything. Walk with your heart. Bravery. Face problems with integrity. Do right, even when consequences are unpleasant. Use your personal strengths to face difficulties. Stand tall in adversity and make positive choices for positive reasons. Be ceaselessly brave and courageous. Truth. Have knowledge of your culture, act without regret. Understand, speak and feel truth and and honor its power. We know who we are in our heart and we know that truer than others know. So our emotional, physical, mental and spiritual gifts should guide us in truth. Honesty, facing a situation is to be brave but having the courage to do the right thing and to say it is honesty. And we're all growing in this way. Let truth be our guide. Be honest with yourself first and then be honest with others. Try to walk with integrity with a straightforward and appropriate communication. Humility, to know you are a part of creation. Always see yourself as equal to others. You are no better or worse. So have compassion, calmness, meekness, gentleness, and patience. Be aware and maintain balance and equity and equality with all life, humans, plants, and animals. Wisdom. Mix these teachings with experiences in life. That's called wisdom. The creator asks us to be used for good. The only creator that made everything asks us to be used for good. Use intelligence, knowledge, and separate your inner qualities and relationships 
and use your good sense and a positive attitude. Now, these are literal translations from what the elders teach us in a, in a Shinabe Moen, which is our language. And when we do these things, we'll find kindness. And true kindness is found when one deals equally, is able to deal equally with the widow, beggar, and orphan as they do their spouse, spouse, brother, and children, that they're able and capable to do that. Happiness is found in the hearts of children and people and in the veins of our love connected, not in the veins of mountains or the accumulation of wealth. So when you believe these things using wisdom, love, respect, courage, honesty, humility, truth in all things in every step and every word, then you'll bring to fruition true power in your life, in your environment, and in others in the world. You'll be able to speak for the tree, the water, the earth, and people equally because they're all connected. And then you'll know truly that there's only one creator and you'll honor that creator of all life, even human life, whom the creator fashioned in his image. You'll honor all animal life to whom the creator also gifted nature whom he made in harmony with that nature. And so should you be as well. Honor nature, which provides life to all living things more so than the honor you give to another's property, but you must honor another's property. Honor yourself as you care for your own eye. Keep it pure so you can see and honor fairness in all things. And when you do these things, you'll find true kindness and then it's the power and peace. The most powerful kindness is to speak truth. And that's what I've shared with you. Thank you. I, I agree with that. And that, thank you. That was incredible. I, I really yeah. appreciate you sharing that. Now I'm so excited. <laughs> it's a short song. Normally I make these long songs and we share them at the end of podcasts. But this one is to honor you and your faith, uh, which is a strong belief in the creator of all things, which is my creator and Henry's creator and your creator and everyone's creator. And, and even the little insect that tries to drink my blood, it's creator too. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is the God of Israel. Holy, holy, holy is the great I am. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Emmanuel. Holy, holy, holy is the King of Zion. There you go. Very, you know, it's it's beautiful when when every one of God's uh, children is able to recognize God, and and our biggest uh, problem is we look at ourselves, uh, we don't see ourselves in the way God sees us. And we might look at it and, you know, and see all the, you know, the, the times that we may have fallen down or, or judge ourselves harshly, whatever. But if we would just realize that somebody, you know, God Almighty creates us and loves us and, and knows what each one of us needs, not just as we exist in this carnation, but in other carnations as we are as a soul going from all the way, you know, back to where we are at our source. And we're living this world right now to know that how important every one of us is to God. And if we want to find value in, in things that make us feel good, you know, sure, getting likes on Facebook or, you know, positive things, they trigger our, 
our physical mind, whatever, to believe that we're, we're being liked. But just thinking and using our mind and belief and exercising our uh, thinking about a creator, you know, that every single thing that's happening to us right now is being recreated because there is no default creation, creation that before there was anything, there was no thing that is now a thing. And no matter what we can call that thing, whether it's an object or even a thing that's called space or a thing called time or a thing called energy or anything that's a thing, they're all novel, they're all new before Every that day. creator. Every day. And that, so, that message is for mm -hmm. everyone. I don't, I don't care you know, how one defines the creator, right? Mm -hmm. And that takes the human imagination. That's the it key. can't be defined. It can't be it cannot defined. Cannot be defined. It's right? It doesn't have gender. It doesn't have Correct. You know, an, a physical image that we can hold up and say this is what it is, right? Correct. So it's within within the consciousness, the gift mm -hmm. of consciousness yes. that each human being possesses individually that Correct. we find that reflection. I had a beautiful friend of mine who sadly passed away, um, and he said, "If you look in the mirror and you don't see your God." you're praying to the wrong God. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of expressing that we are a reflection of the divine and that we need to only look within to find that connection. Yeah, um, and in a way, you know, when you think about that, what you said beautifully is look for it and have that connection and it's immediate. Because if you yeah. want to say, what is the, what has God given to me recently? Our very life force is coming from God. And life, that force yeah. can't be created or destroyed. It just transmutes, it changes form, right? I remember when my son of, of blessed memory was uh, probably about two years old and we drove by a big cemetery and he pointed and he said, Papa, what's that? How do you explain a cemetery to a two-year-old, right? And I said, well, honey, that's a people garden. When our bodies stop working, sometimes we plant them in the earth like seeds and they become part of everything, part of the trees that produce the air that we breathe, the flowers, the foods that we eat, right? Whether it's plant or animal, right? The animals eat the plants and we gain for, through them and we eat the plants. It's all part of the same cycle. It's all part of the same thing. So that's a people garden. And that was enough for a two-year-old. And we're all babies. We are all still- Got one other thing to share, you know, for those that are listening that are struggling in their life or things may be not going the way they want, but they believe there's a creator and they believe in the message that we're talking about and they want to, they, they want to believe that it'll get better. Just persist. Persistence is the only thing that'll get failure out of your way because the creator is with you and the creator is about life and growth and renewal. It's not about death and failure. Right. And so just persist. That's a great message to end on. I want to yes. thank you both for being here. What a beautiful hour we've spent. Thank you, Rabbi. Together. Rabbi, thank we'll you very much. Up. Thank you. It's beautiful. Great hearing right. your excellent uh, words and poetry and songs and Henry and uh, and realize as we uh, are together and speaking about connecting to God and bringing that godliness in the world. I just want to end with a prayer that we really need to have the revelation of God so clear that all mankind will be able to say, you know, God is one and his name is one and we are one and be able to see that here in this world and the beautiful 
potential that we all have when we when it's we fulfill that we don't have to kill each other and steal from each other and if this get rid of all those horrible things be able to live together with love and honor and peace and honesty and and quality and character uh, that we'll have a time that the whole world will do that but in the meantime each one of us is a miniature world and i believe firmly that that every good thing that any one of us does has far far reaching positive snowball effects and impacting other people and to remember we don't have to have all the answers but we'll be people we meet that need some of the answers and we'll be able to help them and guide them and to be driven that there's God watching us and everything matters that we do and we should see that very speedily we call that Mashiach we want the Messiah we want Mashiach now and I believe he's right around the corner may we see him Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. You've been listening to season two of the Lost Traveler podcast with Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to my guests and thank you for tuning in. Let's keep striving for a better world together. <laughs>